And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 227 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, the 2019 San Francisco Giants gave up 227 home runs. Will they go over or under that this year? Honest question. No snark. Mm. Um. I wow gosh um well they've been very generous so far uh I'll go under I will take under I I, I think that some of the home run fly ball stuff is very wobbly and um you know I I, I think that they will reestablish that as a general team strength which it probably needs to be for this team to go anywhere north of 500. Yeah, it really is kind of a Rorschach test on how you feel about this team. If you buy into the idea that uh, oh, they're not going to keep allowing this many home runs, you're probably a glass half full person. If you think, nope, this is just how they are. This is just how Ross Stripling is. This is just how Sean Manaya is. Then you're a glass half empty person. I- I'm with you. I think I think it'll kind of steady itself out. But we're just going to talk about the last week in Giants baseball. Uh, are they the team that couldn't beat the Tigers that struggled against the Marlins? Are they the team that looked pretty bad in their first two games against the Mets? Or are they the team that looked pretty good in their last two games against the Mets? Uh, give me your give me your thoughts on the last week of Giants baseball. Well, you know, in, in the sake of, uh, I guess, uh, maybe um, thinking thinking uh, optimistically, uh, <laughs> they, they, you have to be optimistic about this eight and 13 team. I mean, if you don't, if you're not optimistic about them after they win consecutive games for the first time, all year and wait, you know, 21 games into the season to say they've done that. Uh, when will you have some optimism <laughs> about this team? So let's let's seize the ed- opportunity to to uh, glow optimistically about uh, you know where the Giants are because eight thirteen isn't you know great, but you know they're also three games back in the division. The division leader is twelve and eleven. So you know if if they can come through this uh, part of the schedule and um, and still kind of be competitive, then, you know, maybe they'll have a chance to to have a better, um, to, to make a run a little bit later in the season. But yeah, obviously not the start they wanted, but, um, you know, at least they're coming off uh, uh, some good signs against the Mets. I think it's funny how it just perception, my personal perception is like six and 13. Oh, that's, there's no getting over that. that. That's, that's disqualifying. That is it for the old giants. And then eight and 13, it's like, oh, Okay, you know they're not that bad. Maybe they'll they'll move in the right direction. So it's like those two extra wins suddenly have this outsized impact on my perception. But yeah, I 
I don't know. I, I've written about it and I, I want to toe the line between I don't want to be a homer. I don't want to be uh, a total optimist because there is a chance that this team is, uh, you know, their record is indicative of the talent on this team. There's a there's a chance and I don't want to put all my chips on. A, they'll be fine. But at the same time, you look around and there's enough good stories happening, whether it's Disclafani or Estrada. Uh, there's enough good there where you can see a kernel and then you start to get Mitch Hanniger back and Austin Slater back. Maybe this team will round into form and become the team that uh, they were expecting in the offseason and throughout spring training. Yeah, it's just, you know, when, when when things seem to fall apart and they're the second worst offensive team against left-handed pitching and and teams are are so aware of that that they're calling up the Joey Lachesis of the world, you know, to, to, to pitch for the first time in two years just so they can run another lefty out there. I mean, you obviously have some problems you need to fix. And, and you know, Mitch Hanniger is a nice player. There's a reason the Giants gave him, uh, you know, 40 million bucks. And uh, Austin Slater is very underrated and one of the best, you know, right-handed pinch hitters uh, in Major League history, really, if you crunch the numbers. So, you know, it, it's, it's uh, you know, they're, 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 it's not like they're the 24th and 25th guys on the roster. And yet, it's, they're not Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. They're not the, the, you know, the players that you would expect a whole team to fall apart if they don't have them. And uh, so it was a little bit concerning that the Giants couldn't kind of cover their losses there for a while. And, you know, I didn't, it didn't help that uh, Jock Peterson was nicked up for a little bit. They got him back now. Uh, it doesn't help that Michael Conforto's availability on the last road trip was compromised. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just I don't think that we're going to ever count on this team being super healthy. That's just not, you know, the kind of roster and personnel they have. They're not a bunch of young bucks. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's 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 a little bit troubling that they weren't able to weather those losses a little bit better than they did. Uh, but, you know, at, at, they're starting to get some people back. So that's uh, that's a good sign. You had an interesting uh, piece in your extra bags column where you're talking about the impending roster crunch. And I think you laid it out pretty well. There aren't too many options other than, you know, getting getting rough off of the active roster or perhaps sending David VR down. What do you think they'll do to make room for Mitch Hanniger and Austin Slater? You know, I, I think that I think they would weather David VR's uh, uh, tough start. You know, he's, he's done some good things. He's had some good at bats. He's also struck out a lot and they need to cut the strikeouts down and he's struck out more than anybody else on the team. Um, even Joey Bart has, has cut his strikeout rate down a little bit. He's done what they've asked. And, and for VR, he's, there's been a lot of swing and miss. And, you know, uh, we, we saw the value of, of, of just putting a ball into play at certain times. And VR was able to get a sacrifice fly uh, in Saturday's win over the Mets instead of, uh, you know, striking out. And, uh, uh, no, Blake Sable, who's struck out a ton, was able to put the bat on the ball and hit an RBI single that was pretty important in Sunday's win against the Mets. So, you know, the Giants need to do more of that and win more games like they won Sunday where they're winning it with, you know, pretty decent defense, even though they made two errors, um, you know, 12 ground balls into play and, and, and got 10 outs on them. Um, that that's that's a good sign, and and with with base running with defense, you know, not just hoping they can sit back and and hit six home runs. Um, you know, they're going to have to win more games that way, and I think they realize that. And, and I think David Vr would probably get a little more runway uh, if he's for sure the best defensive player at third base, and that's one thing that he needed to establish. And to his credit, he's done that. He's been worth, uh, you know, a couple uh, runs above average. He's played great defense at third base. The problem is that J.D. Davis has, too. <laughs> he's played 
eye-opening defensive third base, and he's also been, you know, their best uh, offensive player behind Tyro. So if JD's playing at third every day, and I think that y- y- you can't really deny him that at this point, uh, then it-, it makes it tough to see where VR is going to get a lot of at bats on this roster. And you know, they've got to make room for uh, for right-handed two right-handed hitters, and Brett Wisely probably is one guy they'll send out. It's a lefty. You can't send out a second lefty. And you know, Darren Ruff, you could say, well, he was, you know, uh, he was the sort of, you know. Uh, the the uh, the putty spackle on this roster while they were missing those guys and, and he served his purpose and now they can jettison him off but I I'm not sure I'm not sure that that's a a, a move that they're ready to make when when VR is sitting there with with the minor league options so I mean to me it seems kind of clear what what the, the the right baseball move is um, but you know it obviously there's investments in players are 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 emotional as well and uh you know maybe they just feel they want to give david vr a little more runway uh but they certainly it seems pretty clear to me what 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 they probably should do yeah i just can't see them bringing rough back into the organization for a week and then uh putting him in the trebuchet and getting him out off the roster that just doesn't sound like i think it, it there's a component to yes we needed a bat against left-handed pitchers but also hey darren ruff is an all-time good guy good clubhouse guy veteran uh he helps every, all around uh i think that's part of why he's here so i don't see that and yeah jd davis his defense, probably the most surprising thing of the season. It's not like he was awful with the Giants when he had to play third base last year. He was not very notable, which is probably a good thing considering the defense uh, all around last year. But this year, he's good. Really good. He's uh, making plays that I never thought that I'd see him make. And now that he's doing that, and that was the biggest question with him, but it's clear that he did something in the offseason to really focus on on his defensive improvements. Yeah, how do you not give him the the job outright? Because he's not a platoon player. And if he's going to hit like this and he's going to field like this, what are you doing not putting him on the field every day? Yeah, he can hit righties. He can hit lefties. You know, obviously you can't run him out there every day. I think they believe in load management to some extent. But, you know, you also have Wilmer Flores who can play third base. You, you know, you've got some depth at that position. And yeah, I, I just think what he's doing offensively combined with what he's doing defensively means, you know, that's like how you just want out there every single day. And, you know, we've seen this before where, you know, the player gets acquired and doesn't have much of a defensive reputation and opens eyes. And the guy I think of is Adam Duvall. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. nobody yeah. thought that Adam Duvall would turn himself into a gold glove caliber <laughs> outfielder when he was in the giant system as, as kind of a guy with a clank meant reputation at third base. So, yeah. um, you know, it does happen. And, and it's, it's a, only happens with a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work. Um, and you talk to J.D. Davis, and he thinks he could be a gold glove winner at third base. And, you know, you, a couple of weeks ago, you might have laughed him out of the room for, for saying that. But it starts with having that belief and, and and making that a goal. You know, if you don't make it a goal, it can never happen. So, you know, good for him. He's he's uh, he's had a great start to the season. He's also a guy who will strike out a lot. And the biggest question with him is in zone swing and miss because, you know, when he does barrel the ball up, he hits it as hard as anybody. Um, you know, that the Giants have had, you know, really in the StatCast era. So um, as long as he's making consistent contact on pitches in the zone, uh, then he's going to put up some numbers. And, um, you know, I, I, I like his approach. I wrote about it on the last homestand. Uh, he'll take his time out at the start of his at-bat so he can control his at-bat. I think he's been somebody who's who's helped a lot of other hitters kind of take charge of their at-bats when the game's really speeding up for them. Because, you think about the the pitch clock and, and how the impact is on pitchers because the action's on the pitcher, right? But 
the pitchers got 15 seconds, you know, to deliver the baseball. The hitters got seven seconds to be attendant to the pitcher, or he's going to get called with an automatic, um, an automatic strike. So I, I feel like for hitters, it's it's been even tougher of an adjustment in some cases than for the pitchers, uh, and and you know that's why you're seeing a lot of strikeouts, especially early. So. Um, you know, JD's a guy who's like, look, you know, you still have this tool in your back pocket. Take it at the start of your at bat, and 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 then you tell them when you're ready to go. And you can't get quick pitched. You you can't, you know, um, you can take a breath. And uh, and it, I think a lot of guys have have taken a lesson from that. And and we'll see if if the strikeouts do uh, kind of nudge down a little bit, maybe partly as a consequence of that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now I'm looking at uh, the chessboard, and I, I I'm looking for moves. I don't see how the Giants are able with May first approaching. Gary Sanchez has an opt out on May for May first. Uh, if they want to keep Blake Sable, can they? And can they have their uh, Blake and eat it too? Wow, that's terrible. Um, but <laughs> but honestly, like I just. I'm wondering with the machinations of the Rule 5 draft, they can't just uh, trade someone to the Pirates, right? He would have to pass through waivers and he'd get snatched up. So it really is he stays on the roster or they lose him. I don't see how he stays on the roster if the Giants want uh, to get Gary Sanchez on the roster too. Yeah, and you know what? The, 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 I guess the jury's still out on Gary Sanchez. I, the Giants have mm. not seen enough from him at this point, from what I understand, uh, to warrant calling him up. Um, I do think that they have some belief in the track record, uh, but it's not a slam dunk that he's going to be on this team. I think we all thought when they signed him uh, that okay, they, they'll give him you know a couple weeks, and and uh, Blake Sable will have to show something, and if he doesn't, then you know this is going to be an easy pivot for them. But you know they they are still making up their mind, and I think they're going to let it go pretty close to May first, and and just see if if Gary Sanchez is looking like he's ready at that time. And if he's not, I don't think they're going to call him up. Um, so, you know, f- for now, the the plate appearances have been okay. Uh, Power has not quite uh, been there yet. He has drawn, drawn some walks, but um, I don't think they see somebody who they can say, oh yeah, slam dunk, this is an improvement over what we have. And uh, if, if they can't get to that point by May 1st, then, you know, they may go along with, um, with things as is. But... You know, the one other thing I think is kind of important to note here is that good for Joey Bart. He's playing well. He, he really has played well. In fact, if you go to uh, Strike Stolen on StatCast where they have the, um, uh, the framing leaderboard, uh, his strike rate, so they take basically all the shadow zones uh, all around the strike zone, 
He's getting 56.3% of those pitches. That's the most of any catcher in the major leagues. And and uh, he's worth a plus one framing runs. Jonah Heim of Texas is the only guy worth more than one. Um, and some of that you wonder, well, you know, is it a function of the pitchers he's catching? If you have a lot of guys, you know, with the seam shift, like Logan Webb, like DiScofani, where they have a lot of late movement, maybe they can backdoor a lot of strikes. They steal a lot of those strikes. Uh, and then as a catcher, you're taking advantage of that by pulling him back in the zone. You know, that that may be a function of it a little bit. Um, you know, the catcher isn't working in a vacuum, obviously. But for now, you know, he's he's getting a lot of strike calls, especially at the top of the zone. You know, top rail, uh, he's getting 70.5% of those pitches, uh, which is pretty darn impressive. So uh, I think they got to be really happy with that. He had a really nice game the other day where he threw out two runners. Uh, on base to help Logan Webb get out of some jams and help uh, Webb get through some of those innings that had fallen apart for him in his first four starts. And, um, you know, if the Giants could see more of that, that's honestly, that's the easiest fix of all, right? Yeah. I Listen, he, he was put in such a tough spot, I, I think, from the outside looking in, to come into spring and to hear, I don't know, man, this is not necessarily his team. When I I would think throughout the offseason, he was thinking, hey, this is finally my team. You know, I, I just it feels like there was a, a real 180 at some point, like, ah, you know, he's got to prove himself. Uh, but to his credit, he has not. I mean, he hasn't proven himself, but he's done everything that they could have asked. I mean, he struck out. Let's see what he struck out. Thirty eight point five percent of the time last year, which is just untenable. That is not a competitive batter up there. And this year, it's down to twenty three point five. And that is more in line with. Yeah, he's going to have a little bit of swing and miss in his game. But overall, he's not just an automatic whiff. And that combined with his defense and his arm too. His arm is accurate and strong. And I've been really impressed with the throws he's making. And when he's catching a runner stealing, it's generally because he puts the ball right on the bag. He's not going to do that every time, but I'm really impressed with his overall game defensively. And if he can put any offense on the table, and I'm talking, you know, he's hitting 300 now, and I I don't think that's going to last, but if he can put any offense on the table, whether it's uh, some doubles power while he hits 230, 240, takes a couple of walks here and there, um, I, that's a very valuable player considering what the Giants uh, were looking at about, you know, three weeks ago. It didn't look like they would have a productive player catcher. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like his at bats are um, you know hope and pray and and mm-hmm. you know, take you know take ten swings and there are ten different swings. I mean, you see a little more consistency <laughs> from him, um, and it, it's only a handful of at bats, right? What thirty at thirty five at bats, something like that. But uh, yeah, um, but you know what 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 the, the trends are good and. Um, you know, like you said, he doesn't have to be somebody who we know he does hit it hard when he makes contact. Um, and he's, you know, a good base runner. He's a good athlete. Uh, he's had some uh, he's, he's durable. I mean, he's gotten dinged up the last week uh, between hit by pitches. He had a real bad foul ball off the mask. Um, and there was some concern over him there, but he did pass the concussion protocols. He's taking some foul tips off of his, you know, thigh and, and other areas. <laughs> uh, so, um <laughs> Uh, and, and but he's still out there, man. It's he he is he's got some toughness and some grit. Uh, and I I think we do need to to hold ourselves to a standard where we take a drink every time someone says there's some swing and miss in his game. It just seems like that's the phrase that comes up with Joey Bart all the time. And it's also like, well, 
yeah, why does it have to be in his game? It just seems like it's a, a, a phrase that's a kind of superfluous, I guess. But I don't know. It's, it's just what everyone says about Joey Bart. He's got some swing and miss in his game. But, you know, he's also got some game in his game. So um, I don't know if that means anything. Does that mean anything? I'm being weird. But uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> Stream of consciousness. It's, it's like a slam poetry. I'm snapping. I'm snapping. You're riffing, yeah, man. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, Swing and miss in his game. Uh, I think it just rolls off the tongue. Swing and miss in his bat. Now swinging. I don't know. I think. I think it's got to be the cliche. Sometimes. The, sometimes the cliches have it. Um, but I. I don't know. I think he's playing. I think he's playing good ball. And that's one of those things. That is one of those things where you look up and down the roster. And yes, you can identify the problems. Yes, you can say uh, this is weird. This isn't working out. But now, you know, especially now that you've got uh, Taylor Rogers looking a little bit better, he's getting that uh, that sweeper in the zone, and he's getting swings and misses on it, and he's getting a uh, he's putting it on the edge of the strike zone, which is where he likes to live. Uh, you know, John Brebia is throwing ninety six now. I don't remember that ninety six, ninety seven. He's looking good. All around the roster, you're, you're seeing, yeah, good sign. Okay, that could be better, but good sign. Mike Yastrzemski's power, good sign. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr., he's got 16 walks, good sign. And then the sum is, uh, you know, not not uh, equal to the, oh, I always screw up that phrase. What is that, the sum, parts? The, the sum, sum of their parts is greater than the parts of their sum? I don't know. Sum, there's, some sum. Sum, there's, some, there's some parts of the sum in their game. Sure. We can, we cannot do this on Monday morning anymore. <laughs> <laughs> How many coffees have you had? I've only had two. I've had one, but it's on an empty stomach, and now I'm grumbling. But you know what I mean. I look uh, all around this roster, and I, I see things that uh, should not add up to eight and thirteen. And if that makes me a homer, well, by gum, I'm a homer. But I don't know. I just I I, I see more glass half full than empty with this team. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure you've probably read some of the comments under your stories, uh, as <laughs> you know, and it, it's 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 a little feisty down there, um, <laughs> as you would expect. The team gets off to a bad start. You know, fans are already kind of condition to be skeptical about this team after the offseason that was so topsy-turvy. Um, but, you know, like I, I wrote the other day when they, they beat the Mets, uh, um, you know, that they kind of made a U-turn and and got a little bit lit up for it by a couple commenters who basically said, look, one game doesn't mean anything. You you can't, uh, you write that you can't make, make any uh, pronouncements about a team after 20 games. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's two things. There's, there's, there's the assumption you make about whether this is a good or bad team, what their destination is going to be, where they're going to end up in the season. Those things you cannot, you know, um, really make any pronouncements after 20 games. But you can absolutely say this team is going in this direction or this team is going in, you know, a bad direction or a good direction. And Giants had to change their direction. And so that was what I wrote. I basically wrote that they kind of made a U-turn and 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 we'll see if it lasts for more than one game. And it did last for, for more than one game. It lasts for two games. Now they got to see if it'll last for another series. But, you know, when when you see a team, and we've covered a lot of good Giants teams, and it, it really is remarkable. Um, I think that momentum maybe is a tough thing to quantify, but you see it. You see little little advantages that, that a winning team confers upon itself. Uh, Logan Webb goes seven innings. You know, that's something a Giants pitcher had done just one other time all year. And the bullpen's rested. And so when Ross Stripling... Uh, doesn't have his best command, and he needs to get helped out of a second bases loaded jam in the fourth. Giants have their entire bullpen at at, at uh, Gabe Kapler's disposal, and because Tyler Rogers works so efficiently, and the, the short guys all work efficiently, and, and they they get a win, um, 
they didn't have to use Jacob Junis, which they thought they were going to have to. So now they confer the future advantage of Jacob Junis can probably pitch the second game uh, against the Cardinals, uh, which is a very, very right-handed lineup. Uh, that way they don't have to pitch Sean Manaya uh, against them, and uh, maybe they can use Manaya in a different spot. So, you know, when, when a team starts to have things go in their direction, it momentum really does, you know, is tangible in, in those senses. They start to do themselves favors that sort of have that compounding interest where they pay themselves forward. And and that's something that I think we got to see a little bit of these last couple of days. And, you know, all it takes is for a starting pitcher to get their doors blown off and you lose, you know, 10 to 2. And then, you know, you got to start to rebuild new momentum. But at least they started to do it. And they really hadn't done it to this point all year. So, you know, I think that's that's a good sign. If you just look uh, across the country where you got the the Phillies, they started out 5 and 10 with a similar kind of thing where you're looking and you go, gosh, everyone's hitting on this team and, and they they should have better starting pitching than this and and boy, what's going on with the Phillies? And now they're 11 and 12. They have a little bit of that momentum. And that's what you're looking for if you're a team like the Giants with a lot more expectations and you're thinking, gosh, we should be better than this because I look at their schedule and I see the two series that they did not deserve to win was the opening series against the Yankees. They just couldn't hit. They didn't deserve to win that one. And then the series against the Dodgers where they, they got uh, pounded uh, in two of the games. They were outplayed in those series. But when you go to the Royals, they had games that were winnable. They really should have won a couple. At least one of their those losses should have been wins. The Tigers, both of those walk-off losses were brutal and probably shouldn't have happened. And if you replay those games 100 times, it's not going to happen 99 out of 100 times. They're going to get quite a few wins there. Same with the Marlins. I think the bats were cold against the Marlins, but they weren't disqualifying losses. It was just one of those things at one of those moments. Webb gives up that home run at the worst possible time. That's sort of how it worked out. And then to split against the Mets, I'm not looking at a team that hasn't been competitive all season. I'm looking at a team that's, uh, you know, gotten stuck in a bear trap here and a snare trap there. And and all of a sudden they're six and 12 and it, it doesn't look good. But it's really just two series where they looked at their worst. And then it's been a bunch of uh, uh poorly time falling dominoes since then. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, a couple of things that they have done well, you know, they have the, the game in Chicago where they, you know, hit all those homers. They, they tie the franchise record for homers in a three game series. And, um, you know, you know, they're not going to play a series like that every, every time. And uh, it, to the, to this uh, point, it's still the only series that they've won all season. So wow. I think, you know, when you're watching a team, it, it it's fun to watch a team that, that that's in motion. I mean, it's what all of these rule changes are designed to do. And so I think to be able to watch a game like Sunday's game, which even though it did include, you know, two errors, Michael Conforto dropped a sack fly, Ross Stripling, you know, kind of clanked a, a comebacker. Um, it was still a game where the Giants were in motion a lot, and I think they were fun to watch. And we've seen some of the losses where not only have they lost, but it's been a hard watch. I mean, it's like you know they'll lose, um, uh, you know, by by six or seven runs, and it, it looks even worse to, to actually watch the game. So um, you know, just to sort of have a good start to the season, I think was important for this team. 
just to be able to, I guess, get some, uh, I, I don't know, some street cred in the marketplace, you know, with all the skepticism around this team. And they, they haven't done that on a consistent basis. Um, it's just going to be up to them to play more consistent baseball and and do that. But you're right. It's not like uh, a lot of the, you know, there are several losses they can point to and say, okay, you know, we had a 90% win probability here and, and we weren't able to see it through. And, and I think everyone knows this bullpen is, the Giants are probably not going to finish, you know, third in the major leagues uh, for giving up the most runs in the seventh inning or later. That's where they stand right now. I think wow. behind the White Sox and A's, um, the A's, of course, will <laughs> lead. <in> that. <laughs> oh, well, the A's. No, that that's a team where you can't say there's a lot of optimism. Oh, a lot of those losses were so close. We we're so in those games. It was fourteen <laughs> to two, but closer than it it, it appeared. No, it's like I, eleven I, I'm to with two you. games. You know, it's. Yeah, so you know, there's there's a few more things go right, and 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 they could turn around some of those, um, some of those losses, and they're probably you know have ten or eleven wins, and so, um, but you know, it's they still have a, a good tough swath of the schedule left. The Cardinals are not playing well, but I think they're a talented team, um, a very athletic team, a team that can win in a lot of ways that maybe the Giants would be challenged to. And then, you know, we know it's going to be challenging in Mexico City, which is double the altitude of course Field and playing the Padres. And then they go to Houston. They've got Milwaukee at home. So, you know, it's never easy when you got a major league team on the other side, but they still have some uh, a, a tough uh, slice of the schedule here ahead of them. So, um yeah, it's uh, at least you feel that they're a little more equipped now to, um, you know, play a competitive series, which maybe you weren't feeling that um, at, at the start of maybe the Mets series. even. Now, I know you. You've already picked out the restaurants you're eating at in Mexico City, haven't you? Well, maybe I have a few <laughs> things starred in my Google Maps. Yes, I do. I know, yeah. I know you. Um, real quick before we go, uh, I have gotten on Twitter a lot of people saying, hey, when are you going to write the the Brandon Crawford article? When are you going to write, is Brandon Crawford cooked? And I would reply with, A, Bags is working on something. And, and B, I don't want to write it. So when I read your article on Brandon Crawford, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't uh, dispiriting. It wasn't, you know, clearly this guy's cooked. What, what are the Giants going to do? I liked his quotes. I thought there was a fire in his belly. And then he comes out and hits a, a big home run the next day to get that first win against the Mets. So what's your read on Brandon Crawford and where he's at and where he's going? Well, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of uh, people here that we can uh, talk through their feelings. Uh, there's fans. There's us in the media. There's the people in the front office and the coaching staff. Um, but I think the the person who whose opinion matters most is Brandon Crawford's. You know, does he think he's cooked? Um, and I remember in 2010 asking Edgar Renteria the same question. It, we were in Milwaukee. I'll never forget it. And he just had an 0 for 4 where he just you know grounded out four times and didn't really move well in, in the infield. And I said, Do you have anything left? And I asked him that. Normally, I try to ask a question with a lot more tact than that. Mm -hmm. But I just figured being direct and being honest about, hey, that's my question, uh, was was going to be something he would probably, you know, maybe respect a little bit more. And he kind of blinked in a little bit of astonishment. And he's like, yeah, I got something left. And, you know, that guy was you know, wiping his tears off of the World Series MVP trophy a few months later. So, um, you know, baseball, you never know. But uh, so, you know, I, I wanted to hear from Brandon Crawford. You know, what is your level of confidence? What, Where are you at physically? You know, what do you think about 
Um, how did you process a game like you had in Detroit where you made errors on back-to-back plays and probably should have been charged with a third error later in that game? And so, you know, that's that's what I can contribute as somebody who is able to access the players and, and, and in the case of Brandon Crawford, has covered him his whole career. Um, and, you know, so I, I asked him if he was available. He came out of the clubhouse five minutes later and, and we had a nice conversation and that was the, that article was the result of that. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, hey, you know, believe Brandon Crawford, everybody. He's, um, you know, the defensive metrics don't paint the proper picture of just where he is as a defender and, and, oh, the average is, you know, got a, got a lot of hard hit outs in there and stuff. It's like, no, it's, it's been a distressing start to the season. And you better believe, uh, in addition to fans, in addition to the media, there are people in the organization who are freaked the heck out by Brandon Crawford's start because they've hmm. been down this road with him before. And you better believe that they're talking about uh, some of their pivot points and, and whether Casey Schmidt is ready and, and what they do with Crawford. If he becomes, you know, do you just make him a two times a week shortstop? Do you take the, you know, an even more conservative sort of Buster Posey route where he's, you know, one on, one off, you know, two on, one off. Uh, they were going down all of those roads and, um, but right now, they kind of have no choice but to run Brandon Crawford out there if he's healthy. They, they wanted to put him on the injured list. They did after he fell on his rib cage, And he's like, no, guys, I'm okay. My knee actually feels pretty good. Uh, so they have to take him at his word. And, and then he goes out and he hits a homer the next day. So, you know, that, that was probably the biggest comment he could make uh, that, that people will pay attention to. So, uh, but yeah, you know, what, what Brandon Crawford thinks is, is important because if the player thinks he's cooked, then you better believe the, the player's cooked. My takeaway from that is in a world with infinite timelines, that there's a timeline where you ask that direct question to Edgar Renteria and he goes, you know what? I never really thought of it like that, but you're right. You're right. I'm cooked. I, I, I'm, I'm retiring <laughs> I'm today. Home. I'm retiring. And then you, I mean, there, there's no band of misfits book. You're just, I mean, come on. What are you doing here? I'm going to take up scrapbooking and the Giants are, are going to lose. And the San Diego Padres with Matt Latos winning the World Series MVP trophy will be 2010 World Series champions. Yep. Could have happened. Could have happened uh, that way. It could have. I'm telling you, there's a timeline out there. All right. This has been episode 227. When I say 227, do you automatically think Jack A? Like my brain's broken like oh, that. Oh, yes. Yeah, That's I just, absolutely do. Yeah. And Olivia from Sesame Street. It's one of those numbers where I just, I see 227 and I go, yeah, I watched a lot of TV in the 80s. I sure did. I sure did. All right. What was her tagline? I, for, I, I forget what her tagline was. Didn't oh, she have gosh. a tagline? You know? <sighs> like, yeah, no, she did. Oh, boy. All right. I forget. This has been episode 227. We will research Jack A and come back to you with our report next week. Um, thanks for listening. We will be back. I think next monday yet again i am doing this at the end of the podcast we're, we're back next monday right i believe we are all right well we'll see you then thanks for listening as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.